please help me. Please don't send me back, shouted the seven-year-old Prina as she jumped into the arms of a young Amy Carmichael. Prina was given to the temple priest uh, so that her mother would find favor with the Hebrew Hindu gods. Prina escaped the temple and found Carmichael begging for protection. Uh, Carmichael, in that moment, had a choice. Should she send Prina back to the temple, where she would face severe punishment and most likely a life of a prostitute, or would she risk being thrown into prison herself and possibly being charged with kidnapping? She did not know what was going to happen, but the decision was not hard. She would give love and protection to this young girl, withstanding the threats from the priest and the threats from this young girl's family. That one courageous act led Carmichael to begin the the Navur uh, Fellowship as a sanctuary for young children. Carmichael would give over 50 years of service to young girls and women in India. When she died, uh, she did not want a stone marking her grave, so the girls in the home that she founded put a bird bath uh, there instead with a simple inscription, Amma, which means mother. Amy Carmichael became a mother to countless young girls because she was willing to risk her life for the glory of God. She did not know what would happen when she left Ireland for the mission field, but she knew that God would use her as he saw fit. She wrote, it is a safe thing to trust him to fulfill the desires that he creates. God birthed a desire in Amy to love and serve the poor in Ireland, which led her to care for the same poor in India. Amy trusted God even when she did not know what was going to happen. Amy Carmichael's life was really exemplifies our text this morning in Ecclesiastes 11 verses 1 through 6. To risk boldly for the kingdom of God and for the glory of the Lord Christ. So I pray that we would follow her example. We'd be encouraged to, to take bold risks even in the face of uncertainty. If you have your outline provided for you, the first uh, point is a perceptive faith, a perceptive faith. Uh, Life is uncertain. We see that time and time again throughout this book. Uh, We have always known this, even in in our own lives, but I think 2020 has made that abundantly clear. And as we face this uncertainty, we are called to continue to fear God and keep his commandments and to live for his glory as kingdom citizens. Solomon, the preacher of Ecclesiastes, exhorts us to live in the face of this uncertainty. Look at verses 1 and 2 of chapter 11. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on the earth. Now, most commentators here argue with two possible interpretations of these verses. One interpretation has to do with commercial trade. Uh, In this interpretation, to cast one's bread on the water is to send out your tray out into the sea that you will find out how it goes after many days. Of course, in those days, ships were not built as they are today, and there was a likelihood that they would not be able to withstand the the storms of the sea and would not return. Uh, And if the ships did not return, it would be best to divide the cargo of seven or to eight ships so that if you lost some cargo, you wouldn't lose it all. In modern-day language, this would be the wisdom of diversifying your investments or not putting all your eggs into one basket. All investments are risky, but you can mitigate that risk by using wisdom. 
Well, the other interpretation uh, is referring to almsgiving or giving to the poor. At the time, there was an Arabian proverb that was well-known, which stated, do a good deed and throw it into the river. When this dries up, you shall find it. In this interpretation, to, to cast your bread to the water is to give generously to those who are in need. Then give a portion of seven or to eight is to give in completeness. Seven being the, the picture in the scripture of wholeness or, or completeness. So the preacher here is encouraging one not to be overcome by the uncertainties of the future, but to be liberated by it. If you do not know what the future holds, then you should not be controlled by what might come to pass, but rather live generously today as you can. You know, regardless of the interpretation, we, we can apply the general principle uh, to our life today. I mean, Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Pick up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Friends, as you see in verse 2, we cannot keep disaster from coming upon us. We don't know when it's going to hit us. Life is not about gain. It is a gift. God gives us life so that we could give ourselves to others. Uh, David Gibson, again, helps us here. I quote, Here is wisdom that you will not hear anywhere else. Take the best of what you have and the best of what you are and give them away. Hold them out in open hands to God and to others. Worldly wisdom builds bunkers and barns to prepare for disaster. Biblical wisdom instead throws open the windows and the doors for our homes and builds schools and hospitals and churches and sees rich Christians become much, much poorer than they might otherwise have been. Ecclesiastes-type wisdom, Christ-like wisdom, grows believers who spend their life on living in the world rather than on living in the world so as not to die. God does not give so that we can have abundance. He gives so that we can give our lives away again and again. God loves a generous giver because it reflects his character. You know, I've been meditating on Romans 8.32 this week. It just hasn't been able to get out of my mind. You know, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not graciously with Jesus give us all things. God did not withhold his own son, but he gave him up for us all. God sent Jesus to the cross that we would be forgiven. He was the man of sorrow so that we would be the saints of the most high. He was the suffering servant so that we could be givers of godliness. The beauty of that verse speaks not only of, of what has happened, but what is to come. Jesus died and rose again. He is the first fruits of the resurrection. He humbled himself to the point of death. Therefore, God gave him the name that is above every name. Philippians chapter 2. God exalted him to the, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, above the earth, on the earth, and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus gave his life, and God gave it back. Beloved, if you give your lives away, you will receive it back. Trust this promise that 
Through Jesus, God will graciously give us all things. He has prepared an inheritance for us, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for us by faith. So as we begin, beloved, cast your bread on the waters. Give yourselves away. Give your time, your money, your, your treasures away, and you will find it after many days. There is a day coming, beloved, when you will receive your reward. As Jim Elliott powerfully reminds us, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And yet sadly, too many of us do not invest our lives in others or take bold risk for the kingdom of God because we are paralyzed by fear. Second point, paralyzing fear. Paralyzing fear. As I've said numerous times, Ecclesiastes is an honest book. It speaks of what is certain, and then it shows us what is uncertain. Then it gives us a new framework on how to live honestly in light of this honest look. Look at verses 3 and 4. It says, If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow. He who regards the clouds will not reap. Solomon uses nature again as, to make observations of life. He first speaks what is, what is plain to all. The clouds will be full of rain, will eventually empty themselves on the earth. When we see a big gray cloud coming our way, we know bad weather is coming. When you see a tree fall in the forest, it just lies exactly where it fell. You know, before we had the weather channel and sophisticated Doppler uh, radars to show us weather patterns, we just looked at the sky. I mean, Jesus makes the same point in the Gospels in Luke chapter 12. He said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you know at once a shower is coming. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. Why do you not know how to interpret the present time? See, people could, could read the weather, but they could not understand Jesus was the Messiah. I mean, Solomon is making a similar point here. We all know what happens when we see a rain cloud. We all know what happens when a tree falls. We know the weather today, but we do not know what happens tomorrow. We cannot predict the future. If you wait for perfect conditions of the weather, you will never sow your seed, and therefore you will never reap your crop. If you do not sow, you will not reap. Life is unpredictable. Time and time again, you see that throughout this book. Life happens. Verse nine, uh, chapter 9, verse 11. Chance and happenings happen to us all. We don't know when that's going to come. Look at verse uh, 5 of our text this morning. As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with a child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. You know, praise God for ultrasound technology. Now the, the 3D ultrasound, so you can get a, a picture inside the womb of a child. But even with all our technology and all the ways we can kind of look into the womb, we cannot see God breathing life into the child. There are certain things that only God knows. God knows. Only God knows. See, the limitations of our wisdom should not paralyze us for the fear of the future, but they should liberate us to live in the fear of God who knows the future. 
Too often we are scared to make decisions because we are afraid what the future is going to hold rather than we should fear God who knows what's going to happen in the future. He's predicted it. So in 1995, popular movie, I don't really want, quote movies from today, I quote movies from 20 years ago when I used to watch them, right? Uh, in the movie Shawshank Redemption, Andy Dufresne was speaking to his good friend Red. I think he captures what Solomon is trying to say here. He says, I guess it comes down to a simple choice, really. Get busy living or get busy dying. That's what Solomon wants us to see. We can't control the future, so live your life today. In 2004, uh, Michael Matteo, a friend of mine, a uh, teacher friend, uh, were sitting around talking, and we challenged each other uh, to do stand-up comedy at, at a local open mic night. Well, uh, the conversation kind of usually begins, you probably have had these before, wouldn't it be great to? Or, I've always wanted to try. Those conversations, you kind of start dreaming a little bit. Well, 2004 was almost over, and surprise, surprise, neither one of us had done any stand-up comedy at an open mic night. Well, an opportunity presented itself to me to do stand-up comedy at a church function. I was going to be the opening act for a Christian comedian, and I was terrified. You know, at this point of my, my life, I was, uh, I've been preached in front of thousands of people, uh, but when you're preaching and there's no visible response, it's easy to say, the Lord is working on them. <laughs> but if you try to make people laugh and they don't laugh, you're just terrible and not funny, right? I mean, it was a terrifying experience. I've never been more nervous to get in front of a crowd, but I did it, Right? It happened before iPhones, by God's grace. So there's no record of the set I gave, right? But the way I remember it, I was far funnier than the paid comedian, right? You know, the, the, the writer here, uh, one writer says of Solomon is that he doesn't want us only to tackle our to-do list, but our bucket list. You know, Wayne Gretzky, a famous hockey player, said you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. What in your life right now that you have always wanted to do, but because of fear, you haven't done it? Well, Solomon is trying to say, listen, life is short. You don't know what's going to happen in the future. Live your life today. Are you paralyzed by fear? Are you waiting for the perfect conditions before you live? If you do not sow, you will not reap. Life under the sun is unpredictable. It should, not liberate, it should liberate us, not paralyze us. Because God is in control. Only he knows what is coming, so live for his glory today, leaving the results to him. So maybe take 15 minutes this afternoon and go before the Lord and just ask, what are the things you want to do in your life before you die? I mean, how many of us do not try things because we're afraid we're going to fail? Now, how many of us look at all the bad things that, that could happen while all ignoring all the glorious possibilities that might come to pass. You know, it may be that you're, you're cooking for a new guest and you don't want to try that new recipe because it may, be, it, may, it may be awful. And yet, at the same time, it may be the best dish you ever made. Or, or you young men, you have that desire to ask a young lady out on a date and you're like, well, I, if I ask her out, she may say no and I may be rejected. Or she may become your future wife. I mean, there's, there's, there's always negatives and there's always positives. But listen, beloved, we have to, 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 to live. God wants us to seize the day. Enjoy the life the Lord has given you. Live life as a gift. Receive it with joy. 
Use wisdom. Don't just do things flippantly, but risk and risk boldly for the kingdom of God, for you will miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And listen, I know that there's, there's some people, even recently I've talked to in the life of the church, who are, who are questioning, well, how do I re-engage in the life of the body? Or how do I serve the Lord? And there's, like, there, there's this fear that's keeping them from really investing in, uh, in, in a body of believers like, like Park. Can I just plead with you? Give yourself, invest yourself in God and God's people. You will not regret it. You know, I'm not sure if you know this, but we are kind of in the middle, midst of a global pandemic um, you know, we have to use wisdom in how we interact with this world, but we must also continue to risk boldly for the glory of God. I mean, there's so many applications of this text of Scripture in our own individual lives, and I'm not saying that I know how this text applies to each one here and those of you who are listening online, but I hope and pray that you would seek the Lord and you would ask Him, how should you respond to this in the glory of God? What bold risk does God want you to take for his glory and for his kingdom? Now, we know that some of us may respond by saying, hey, listen, there's more, some of, we're not taking this pandemic serious enough. And I think there's many, other, uh, other, many more of us um, who may be paralyzed by fear by it. What are we to do? We're called to pray, hear God's word, seek counsel, and live in the fear of God, for he and he alone knows the future. Well, point number three, prosperous fruit, prosperous fruit. Solomon ends this section with an exhortation to sow seed and be generous during the days under the sun as we trust the one who rules over the sun. Look at Ecclesiastes 11.6. In the morning, sow your seed. At evening, withhold not your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Friends, sow your seed, for we do not know what will prosper. Jesus shared the parable of the talents with his disciples to explain the kingdom of God. Many of you are familiar with it. One man received five talents, invested it, and gave ten back uh, to his master. One received two talents, invested them, gave four back to his master. Each one of them heard from their master, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. It's a great way to think about salvation. God welcoming us into his joy as a good and faithful servant. But there was a third man who received one talent. And he did not cast it on the water. He did not invest it but he hid it in the ground because he was afraid. And he gave it back to his master when he returned. This is what the master said to him. You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and I gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and my coming. I should have received with what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has will more be given and will have in abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Friend, I just want you to hear me this morning. There are dire consequences for everyone who does not receive life as a gift and give their life back to God in his service. 
when we live in fear and do not give thanks to God with our life and give our lives to him in service, we may one day hear you wicked and slothful servant away from me. See, the kingdom of God is meant for sowing seed and reaping a harvest. We are called to scatter seed, for we do not know what will the Lord will prosper. You may scatter seed and may fall on the rocky path. You may scatter seed and may fall among the thorns or among the, 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 on the rock, but it may fall on fertile soil and reap 30 to 60 to 100-fold what was sown. Those of you here, those of you listening who have yet to trust in Christ as your Savior, I just wonder, is, is fear holding you back from following Jesus? I've talked to many people in my life about following the Lord, and one of the reasons why they give for not following after Christ is they're afraid that they're going to miss out on life. Was that you? Are you afraid that if you follow Jesus, it's going to cost you something? It's going to cost you maybe the, the pleasures that you're currently experiencing. Friend, I want you to hear me. If you continue in your sin and living for this world, you will lose far more if you don't turn from your sin and follow Jesus. Jesus offers us salvation through his life, death, and resurrection. He offers the perfect record, he offers the record of his perfect life to you by faith. He offers the payment of his atoning death to you by faith. He offers you the fruit of the resurrection and eternal life to you by faith. If you deny Jesus, you will lose everything. Yet if you deny yourself and turn to God, through Jesus, you will have access to the Father, fellowship with the Holy Spirit, eternal life in the land of glory. Before Jesus went to the cross, some people came to see him. So they brought him, the disciples told Jesus, hey, there's people who want to see you. And this is what Jesus said, John 12, 23 through 26. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, meaning the time has come for me to, to face the death for sin, to be dead and buried and to be raised from the dead and ascend back to the Father. It was Passion Week. He goes on and says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. For whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Life is a gift, not gain. When we give ourselves away, we will bear much fruit. Jesus lived for the Father and gave his life for others. Friend, Jesus gave his life for you so that you could come to the Father. Beloved, those who believe in Christ, Jesus gave his life to you so that you could bear much fruit in the kingdom of God. God wants you to risk boldly for the kingdom of God. When was the last time you scattered the gospel seed? I mean, the main reason people give for not sharing the gospel is fear. They're afraid of an awkward conversation, afraid of being rejected. We often look for those perfect circumstances, right? The right opportunity. But what we see here in the text, he who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. If you sow sparingly, Beloved, you will reap sparingly. But if we sow generously, we will reap generously. Friends, there will always be a cost 
for serving the Lord and scattering the seed in the kingdom. There will always be a cost, but the cost will always outweigh the risk. In the morning sow your seed, and evening withhold not your hand, for we do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. I do pray that you take 15 minutes this afternoon and write down your bucket list, things that you want to do in your life before you die. But when you do, I want you to keep your eye on the kingdom of God. I want to keep, have you keep your eye on what can you do for God's glory. Our life is not our own. We were bought with a price. God wants us to use our life for God's glory and for the good of God's people. On May 30th, 1792, William Carey stood to preach at the Friar Lane Baptist Chapel in Nottingham, England, to encourage his fellow ministers to take the call of the gospel to the nations. His most memorable sentence from that sermon, expect great things, attempt great things. And that's what Carey did. A year after giving that address, he arrived in India. He wrote to a friend, I am, a, I am in a strange land, no Christian friend, a large family, and nothing to supply their wants. Then he said, I have God, and his word is sure. Carey would spend the next 41 years of his life in India, translating the Bible and in all the main dialects of the country, establishing a college for those to be trained in uh, ministry. He saw only 700 converts in, in, in a 40-year time period. But his probably most important um, gift to this world was inspiring a Christian world to reach the gospel with, reach the nations with the gospel by expecting great things from God and attempting great things for God for the glory of his name. Carey cast his bread on the water and sowed his seed in the morning, withheld not his hand, and the Lord prospered as he saw fit. My prayer for our congregation is that we would not fear to cast our bread on the water, that we would not fear to scatter the seed of the gospel, that we would not fear to give ourselves in serving one another. My prayer is that we would be willing to risk all for the glory of Christ, even in the face of this pandemic, because God wants us to give him glory, because he and he alone knows the future. So not knowing the future should not paralyze us, but should liberate us to live for his glory now. I, I pray that we would be willing to sacrifice our time, our talents, our treasures for the glory of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I pray that you'd be willing to pour out your time and your, your talents and your treasures into one another, into having true, deep, vulnerable, lasting community. Because God did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. And how will he not graciously give us all things? Every time we cast our bread on the waters, we're taking a risk. But risk for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, who died and rose again, is always worth it. Friends, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who sows generously will reap Generously. So I pray that as a congregation that we would sow generously and therefore we would reap generously. I pray that we would give ourselves to one another. I pray we would deny ourselves, pick up our cross, fall after Christ, and bear much fruit. For unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, 
it bears much fruit. This was true for Jesus Christ. It was true for Amy Carmichael. It was true for William Carey. Will it be true of us? Will it be true of you? Father, we do pray that this would be true of us. God, I pray that we be willing to die to ourselves, to pick up our cross, and to follow after you. And oh God, I pray that we would cast our bread onto the water, that we would risk boldly for the kingdom of God and for the glory of the Lord Christ, and that we would bear much fruit. We pray, God, that you would give us a vision. Give us a vision of how you'd want us to live for your glory. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.